my name is Jérôme Nadeau and uh, I'm 31 years old <laughs> and I'm from Lévis, Quebec City. You're listening to Into This, a podcast where I explore contemporary art through conversations with artists, curators, writers. You get the point. Everyone in the arts community in Montreal. In the past few years, an interesting movement started to develop in the city. It can be labeled in different ways. Some call it experimental projects, others call it DIY art spaces or simply independent projects. Spaces such as Racing Cattle, Vidange, CK2, Projet Panger, and Soon.TW, among others, are responding to the need to bring new voices to the front and they are quickly becoming an authority in the matter. With flexible structures and mandates, Gallery Space Soon.TW proposes a different way to access contemporary art. Visual artist Jérôme Nadeau co-runs the gallery alongside artists Jean-François Loda and Nicolas Lachance. They told me they were also very grateful with artist Simone Bello for always helping around in the gallery. Jérôme was assigned the spokesperson role for this interview, so in the next 50 minutes, Jérôme talks about his influences, their motivations to be as involved as they are in the art community, and of course, what everyone wants to know, where does the name Soon.TW comes from? This is episode number six of Into This. Same if you are commuting, painting, or doing the dishes. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jérôme. I'm Mark Suris Wilson. Let's get right into it. So how do you get into arts? Uh, I've always been interested in music and cinema mostly when I was younger. And um, obviously in Lviv there's not that many contemporary art galleries. And uh, But we have the National Museum of Fine Arts in Quebec yeah. City. And I just remember like one afternoon, I don't know, I was maybe 14 or 15, The first time I went to the museum and I re, like I was with my, my parents and like it's on the plains of Abraham. It's, it's a beautiful building and we were just kind of walking and I saw masters, Chiappel uh, and Bordeaux and people like that. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, like at that age, I was starting to be a bit more sensible to independent cinema and like different kinds of, of, of music. So I remember seeing these very large paintings by Chiappel and being like, whoa, like what's, what, what's going on, you know, like I'm kind of feeling something yeah. like I've never felt before. Like I didn't know like a painting could actually kind of provide in terms yeah. of, of visual experience. So yeah. kind of stayed with me. And um, Did it have anything to do that he's from Quebec as well? Yeah, yeah. obviously. Like I, there was this kind of proximity, like he died on Elogru and I have some family that lives there. So like I always had this really kind of romantic idea of who he was, you know, and what he was doing, just kind of like being by himself and like kind of, you know, having this urgency of creating these kind of massive objects that are so vibrant with life and color and, you know, all these kind of emotions that are transmitted in this very immediate thing. And uh, so I decided to study visual arts in CJEP, but that was a complete catastrophe. Why? (laughs) I don't know, like everything was kind of wrong for the wrong reason, like the, the kind of work that they were showing us. And I don't know, I felt that there was this big disconnection with my own interests and what they were kind of trying to like teach me, you know, so I just I, I completely hated it. And um, they were opening a program in uh, cinema the year after. So I decided to drop the visual arts yeah. and go study cinema because I, I was always like been really interested in, in 
in films in general. So I did my CJEP in cinema. Basically, they would just open the program. So they had like bought like all these cameras, <laughs> like all the studio equipment. So we were basically free to do like films, you know, which was mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. a really, really good times. And I met some really amazing people like in, in that program. And yeah, we were just like free to be like creative. And I felt there was this kind of openness I was kind of looking for. Right after CJEP, I went traveling to Australia. It was kind of like the beginning of digital photography. So I bought like a digital camera just you know, to take pictures of my trip. But then slowly I grew like more and more interested in photography. And at that point, I realized that like filmmaking was a huge industry, you know, and if you wanted to make it, you had to have a certain personality to be able to kind of climb the ladder um, within that field. And I was not kind of interested in that. I really like the kind of introspective and personal uh, intimacy of, of photography. So while I was in Australia, I knew I wanted to um, to do a bachelor, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to apply in photography at Concordia. So I did, and I got in, and then you know, like it just it completely changed my mind, like the difference between the CJEP and university in terms of professionalism, in terms of the teachers that that were there were actual practicing successful artists who had immediate insight into this kind of world. It it just, yeah, it completely changed my mind onto like what you can do. And I didn't know it was possible to like make a living or just like be an artist and try to do that. And that's what they really encourage. You know, they tell you from the get go, like we're trying to form you to be a visual artist, you know, and be able to talk about it and it just went really fast in terms of discovering you know artists that really kind of changed my perspective about the possibility of photography but also a painting and like I guess I kind of realized by that point that I was never going to be a painter because like I couldn't (laughs) really paint but like there was actual the possibility that like have this kind of flow between both mediums you know so I guess it was just really organic from like seeing the work of people and and then yeah, making work and being encouraged into what I was doing, you know, so it just kind of, yeah. it grew, it grew, it grew. And then when I finished the undergrad, like I knew I wanted to do a, a master's degrees because I felt like it was the right decision to be able to kind of like stay into this uh, environment of, yeah. of, of sharing and, and knowledge. Momentum in physics is a product of mass and velocity. Think of what happens when you break in a pool game. The result of the first impact gives energy to the other balls to move in very specific directions. This is a good analogy of Jerome's projects in the past few years. It all started with the publishing house. The idea of the publishing house actually kind of emerged right when I finished my undergrad. I guess what I missed the most was this kind of proximity with artists and being able to look at work and have a conversation about the work of other people and to be able to kind of apply that to your own perspective and your own um, artistic practice. So um, I thought like an, an idea was like, I, I didn't have any platform to be able like to to make shows and uh-huh. stuff like that. And I guess like books is kind of uh, something that's, that's public. That's something that people can live with. Yeah. And um, I, I saw the work of this guy, Jean, Jean-Philippe Harvey, and I, I really kind of connected with it. And I was like, I'm just going to write him an email and see like, if he's interested in, in doing something, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I wrote an email to him. Like I saw his work through like Tumblr, I guess. And like yeah. I saw like one of his exhibition at La Roche-Jonca and I, I, I thought that the work was really interesting. So I just wrote him an email. I was like, I'm, I'm thinking of doing something like a book project 
would you be interested in like contributing something? I'm just kind of like throwing it out there. And he was like, oh yeah, I just came back from New York and I did all these drawings and uh, I didn't do anything with it um, yet, you know. So if you're interested, I can send them to you and you can look at them. So we kind of started this collaboration where it was right. like, oh yeah, you, you're free to do whatever, like edit them and, you know, like do something with it. So yeah. that's that's what I did. Like I edit the, the drawings and um, and made a book out of it. Yeah. The book was almost done when I met Ariane, who's a who's a graphic designer and an artist as well. And like um, we started talking about like branding and the idea of making more projects like that, and how it would stand like not only as a book project but as something that could evolve into other directions. So right. we kind of changed the whole kind of visual identity, which is something that I believe is kind of important within the field of arts, like kind of having an identity that that is strong and being able with like the books to create a format that um, eventually kind of uh, evolved with the, the two other books that I made with Jeannie and Jean-Francois. Uh-huh. So uh, I kind of put all of that in perspective and I re-edited the book. So like it was a really long process that was over like two or three years before the the book actually kind of came out. But uh, now that it's done, like we choose this kind of format, like the eight by 10 format of the book. And um, I thought it was like a nonsense to just document the paintings and put them in a book uh-huh. because there's an experience that yes. you get when you see yes. any of these artists work in real life. You know, yes. there's a sensuality in the, in, in the materials that they that they are working with. And there's an experience that, I mean, can't really be translated into Absolutely. a book format. So with Ginny actually... When we first started talking about the idea of making a book, she was going to Paris to uh-huh. do the um, the residency. Yeah. And we were looking at the work that she actually made, and it was like photographic works a lot and a bit of sculpture and installation and stuff like that. And we were looking at the documentation and looking at the work. It was really interesting. And she was also working at a show at Antoine at, the, at that time. And I was like, like, pretty much everything you're showing me is going to be in the space and there's a really important um, sensibility of the installation in her practice where everything is kind of relating to space and um, architecture and materiality and, and forms and stuff like that. And I was like, it can't really be translated into a book. And like all that time we were working on the on the project, we kept kind of going back to photos she's taken with her phone and like these again, kind of banal things that kind of struck her and like informed the paintings or the photographs and the idea which she was thinking about at, at the moment. I was like, you know what? Like, why don't you just give me all the files, like all the all the, the image that you shot with your phone mm-hmm. and I'm going to see if I can edit something that's interesting. So I kind of like started looking at them and, and, and trying to do something that for me, I mean, knowing her practice... And knowing the work that she's accomplished during that time in Paris to see if there was something like with these photos that kind of like struck me as either information, either like visually or conceptually, and then make a photo book out of it because like yeah. photos are such an important part of, of her practice. It's it's more interesting to see that as a kind of parallel of that body of work that you created than kind of just documenting I almost see it like doing a studio visit, you know, Mm -hmm. like when you do a studio visit, like you prepare for it and then you put like works on the wall and then you discuss it. But at the same time, when when I'm in someone's studio, obviously I'm interested in in the work that they want to show me then that sometimes are finished, but sometimes I'm more interested in like 
like the dirty brush that's kind of hanging or like the stains on the floor or like the books that are on the table that they're reading absolutely the kind of beer that they're drinking like you know all of that this kind of environment and all of the stuff that I'm assuming for some reason as some sort of impact on the final work you know like the yeah the materials and just the general kind of experience and like it's like entering the mind of an artist you know and, and and kind of trying to like walk into uh, his own kind of creative world. So I thought that the book was maybe an effective way to kind of convey that, especially if you're interested in someone's practice. So far, there are three books published. The first edition features artist Jean-Philippe Harvey. The second features artist Jeannie Riedel. And the latest one features artist and soon.tw co-director Jean-François Loda. When the first book was almost finished, Jérôme was already thinking about opening a gallery space. But before that, the project needed a name. The name kind of came up because uh, I was thinking about the project uh-huh. and I started thinking, oh, am I going to call that? You know, And like <laughs> people kept asking me, like, oh, when, when is that coming? And then it was kind of a joke. Yeah, it's coming soon. And, and uh-huh. the fact that I'm kind of working on it, but at the same time, it was not like the number one priority in my life at that time. So, yeah, it was kind of just like a, a, a pun, like it's coming soon. And the dot .tw kind of came after when I started working with um, Ariane, we were looking at yeah, ideas for like branding and visual identity. And we were looking at a website. So it was like soon.com obviously was not available. So we were kind of looking at all the other options. And there was this .tw, which is uh, the extension for Taiwan. I was like, oh, like aesthetically, it's kind of nice. And and uh, she kind of proposed, like, why don't you just use it as the actual name? And at the same time, it's interesting because if you write it in an email or anywhere on the internet, like in a PDF document or something that's being sent, uh, it's an hyperlink directly to the website. Right. And if people like in the Google search bar, they just type it, they go directly to the website. So it was kind of uh, using a very kind of generic name mm-hmm. that there was no chance that people, if they just kind of Google soon, would yeah. actually get to the website and being able to actually see what we do. Like it was kind of a way to bypass that and direct people to our website. So it was kind of, yeah, just this kind of little discovery that I thought aesthetically was kind of pleasing, but at the same time, it's kind of a trick. It works. Yeah. It's efficient. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's efficient. And uh, yeah, people yeah can get to see like what we do in an effective manner. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the summer of 2015, Jérôme was invited to be part of a gallery project in collaboration with his Concordia classmate, Jack Belava. The gallery was planned to be set up in one of those shipping containers at the Village Ephemer. If you live in Montreal, it's that spot close to the Jack Cartier Bridge. If you don't live in Montreal, think of a nice open space by the river with a pretty amazing view to the bridge and also the city. But anyways, they built up walls inside the container and made it look like an actual white cube. The gallery hosted 12 different weekend-long shows with 12 different artists. So to be able to do that... On Wednesday, we would visit a studio and like choose work, and then the work would be up on Thursday night, and it would last for like two days. But it was just kind of a very um, interesting experience in terms of being able to approach people that like you're interested in their practice. when. You have a project like that gives you a reason to approach them and mm-hmm. be like, okay, I'm working on that. Like, uh, 
could we yeah. do a studio visit? Can we yeah. like, see what you're up to right now? So I know all about starting projects to get close to people. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me. And it's yeah. kind of the same thinking that yeah. I had originally when, yeah. when I started doing the books. You know, it was kind of a way to open a conversation right. with, with someone that I was interested in their practice. So, um, yeah, we did that. It was called Galerie Femar. So it was just like during yeah. uh, the summer. It was a beautiful place, too. It was really interesting because uh, it was a, a public space and most people would go to that place to see the fireworks. So there was like DJs and concerts mm -hmm. and food trucks and stuff like that. And I mean, the majority of people would just go to that place to like hang out with their kids or with their friends to party. And then they would have this kind of contemporary gallery art in there. So like there was a lot of people that was probably their first contact with uh, contemporary art. I mean, so uh, it was very kind of interesting dialogue that would uh, open with these people that, you know, never really had the chance or yeah. were not for some reason interest. interested yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. contemporary art yeah. but and we were there so like we, we could open this conversation and it was really casual because like on friday night people like would go there to dance and then at the same time like they get to see art and i don't know it was not this kind of uh, hermetic and kind of clinical um, atmosphere that you usually find in contemporary art galleries so that was really kind of democratic so that was a, that was a, a very kind of a growing experience, and I kind of realized that it's something that I was interested in doing, you know, like in terms of working with artists, but also working with the public and working with other like curators and people working within the field. While Jerome was working on the publishing house and finishing his MFA. He moved into his new studio at 305 Belchasse in Little Italy. Jean-François studio is also located in the same building and actually in the same floor. Nicolas studio is a bit west from there, but close. Jérôme says that the idea of starting a gallery project was a constant topic between the three of them, but there was nothing concrete. Around the same time, a small space next to their studios, which in the past was being used as a storage room, was suddenly available for rent. So if they were waiting for a divine sign, that was it. Jérôme told Jean-François he thought it was a great opportunity. The rent was affordable. It was a good size. But there was just one thing. I was like, I don't want to do that by my own. It's too yeah. much work. It's a big commitment. I still want to have time to focus on my own practice and other projects. So I was like, are you interested in uh, in working on the project with me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then we were having this kind of ongoing conversation with Nicolas Lachance, who were like really close friends and always yeah. kind of drinking beers and talking about their own practice and something that, you know, like kind of casually would would come on the subject, often the idea of starting a project like that. So it was just very organic. We just decided to take the space. and was like we didn't even have like a first show in mind. It was just like if nothing happens, we just kind of use it as a showroom for our own work, you know, when we have studio visits and stuff like that. And... um yeah, slowly we kind of kept having this conversation and kind of decided which directions we wanted to um, go with with yeah. the idea of the gallery. And it's something that's kind of still developing and it's not too cemented into having a really kind of precise program. But at the same time, like we each have our own interests and we're kind of trying to navigate something that kind of makes sense out of it. Yeah. There's one thing that I really liked the last time that we talked and then you told me that for this space, you guys, the three of you, you don't see yourself as a curators. You see yourself as a host. Yeah. I think that idea is pretty cool. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, for the first two shows that we've done, the first one was with uh, Magali Guérin, which is originally from here. 
but she spent most of her professional career in uh, Chicago. She did her MFA at the Art Institute and now uh, she still lives there. And um, we knew her work and like we knew she didn't really show extensively here. And she had a lot of work like ready to be shown. So it was a very kind of easy and again, like an organic way of putting up the show. And there was no curating. It's the same with Jackson. It was a body of work. It was solved. And we went to the studio and we saw it. And like, when, you know, when we anchored the work, it was really casual and super easy to do. Because, I mean, we're all like practicing artists and in our own practice, there's not really this kind of curatorial aspect. We're just trying to have this kind of conversation with the artists on how to kind of um, put up the work and make it kind of work in, the, in that small space that we're running. Um, and even with Rende Danet, it was um, mostly specialized in etching and stuff like that and older kind of uh, mediums. Not that he's not a contemporary artist, but he doesn't really work within that framework that much. Yeah. And, not, and I don't think we worked as curators, but we just kind of uh, helped him have okay. this kind of conversation yeah. into putting is practice into this kind of visual language. The new context of the presenting new context. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, but again, like we're not making group shows. We're not trying to kind of make um, work kind of dialogue with each other. And it's just that right now, I guess we're kind of taking things like slowly and we're more interested in presenting strong uh, bodies of work. And it's not our, our background again, like to be curators. So I, I, I like the idea of just kind of proposing a space to someone, to a curator, to an artist, and they can do something that they're happy with. And then we kind of organize a vernissage and then right. we kind of take care of like hosting people and, and being there if people want to visit the space. But yeah, I think that's that's not our main interest to kind of be curators as other spaces that it's kind of their main focus. You know, they kind of go out there and like look for work and artists that kind of create this kind of interesting dialogue that, that means something, you know. But we're more interested in practices and kind of making sure that they are put in an interesting way that people kind of understand the work that is usually not that it's underrepresented, but we're also interested in artists that um, don't have that much visibility within the art world here in Montreal. It's a big learning process because like none of us studied curatorial practices or done internship or worked in commercial or artist-run galleries before. So we're kind of learning everything from the get-go and it all went so fast from like, okay, getting the space to like putting a show like one month. I mean, we finished building the walls the day before we actually hung the, the work of Magetti, our <laughs> yeah. first show, you know, so it, it all went really fast. But at the same time, I think it's it's a really good way to learn, you know, while you're kind of making it. We learn from the mistakes we, we've done and we're kind of evolving through that. And it's the same with um, building a, a program, you know, like yeah. we're interested in artists and then we're kind of interested in, in building something that's a conversation and that goes beyond just kind of showing the last yeah. five paintings that, that they've done. Of course. Know? But what is what is your reading of that specific urgency to show, right? Yeah. Like what is your reading of why these spaces are being so successful. I mean, what is that is not happening, say, in like other galleries yeah. or in museums or like in institutions? I mean, I've, I've finished my MFA and like a month after I, we've opened the space. Uh -huh. And there's this thing, as I was saying before, you know, when, when you're in school, there's this proximity with artists and there's this dialogue that's happening on a daily basis, you know, with, with other artists. And once you're out of school, this kind of like slowly disappear you know you you have studio mates and you have studio visits but it's not at the same like frequency 
And I think that the idea of the gallery is something that kind of emerged from that, like the necessity to be able to have an ongoing dialogue with different artists. And, um, you know, when you walk out of school, you know, like you, you can have the chance to have shows and people are interested in your work, but it's a really kind of slow process. You know, you have to apply for a show like in an artist run center or like in a gallery. And it's something that could take months, you know, cause they have to fit you in the program. Sometimes, you know, they program, um, the exhibitions like two years in advance. So like, obviously the, the, the work that is ready right now is going to either evolve or <laughs> completely disappear and you're going to yeah, be working it, on it something changed. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, this idea of time and this idea of urgency when I visit someone's studio and I see something that's like the ideas are really fresh and they're really new and it feels like urgent for these people to actually show the work either to be able to move on to something else or to kind of have this conversation with the public, you know, when you present the work. So um, I feel it's something that's usually lacking, especially in Montreal, this kind of urgency of presenting work by uh, either younger artists or older artists that are for some reason by choice or uh, well, any the, other as reason. As you said before, as you, they probably don't fall in the spectrum of, of what is contemporary art considered yeah. now, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, the idea of contemporary art is a, I mean, it could be a really large concept, yeah. you know, and I guess it's up to the institution or the galleries to be yeah. able to uh, to navigate that and propose the work that, you know, couldn't really fit into the program of a commercial gallery or like the, this kind of like commonly accepted idea of contemporary art. But at the same time, if you kind of take it from another angle or from our own interests and our own perspective on contemporary art, you can make and fit within that framework, you know, and that's something that we're interested in. And I guess at the end of the day, it's just that work that we kind of connect with and we feel the need to present it to the public to be able to document it and also like kind of make it live on the internet or like Instagram or something like that. And mm -hmm. it's usually work that's kind of a bit coming from a larger idea of what um, visual arts is sure. today and was yesterday and is going to be like tomorrow. Of course. My guest today is Jérôme Nadeau. He is one of the three artists running the art space called soon.tw. We spoke last winter in Montreal, and since then, they have hosted five more shows, one of them called Bruno Sports Bar Biennale, which was actually hosted at the sports bar on Bobien Street. From November 9th until December 16th, they are hosting the show of Ottawa-born artist Pierre Dorion. His paintings gravitate around details of architecture and lighting of places where art is usually displayed. In this show, his muse was the building at 305 Belchasse, where soon.tw is located. The show runs until December 16th, so if you have never visited the gallery, this is a great opportunity to check it out. Now, let's go back to my conversation with Jérôme. This is, this is also something that I'm always interested about art making in general, that is the objectives of it. Why do you choose to do this or that? In this case, with you guys, with this new space, is it clear? What is the uh, end goal, say, of the project? Like we don't have a clear yeah. end goal because we're kind of learning how to do it and kind of learning what we want to do as we are doing it. I guess the idea is just to kind of present work that we connect with and that we feel this kind of necessity to, 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 to show sure. in our space, you know, mm -hmm. and 
And at the same time, yeah, if we have the chance to be able to kind of show work that's underrepresented, but at the same time, the idea of underrepresented work is kind of a vague and yeah. really large concept, yeah. but it's still really at the art of the project. But, you know, when we first started, we kind of wanted to put these kind of like barriers around ourselves. But like, as, as we're kind of growing, we're kind of realizing that Montreal is an interesting place. We have a, a very good amount of artists and practices that is underrepresented. But at the same time, do we want to kind of, you know, not be able to allow ourselves to work with people from other cities and like sure. kind of create this dialogue between these other cities? And, and I think that obviously if you look at like the program in a year from now something's gonna emerge out of it yeah. like in terms of, of visual language and ideas yeah. and kind of practices that we want to put forward but it's not something that is calculated in advance yeah. and sometimes there's just this idea of chance you know like okay there's a place in in the program and like we go to the studio and like we are interested in the work and then we present it it's not something that's to calculate it even though like we kind of take a lot of these questions seriously in terms of presenting good parody between women and men artists are going to be presented and in terms of diversity of practices also not just kind of like show that works that kind of relate to our own practices but also kind of show a range of practices that we find is Absolutely. important to be uh, showing now yeah we can argue that montreal is one of the cities that is more attractive for coming and making art because of the rent is yeah. still comparing to other cities is still cheap right oh yeah but i just cannot think that that's the only reason why there's a bunch of these new sort of like do-it-yourself yeah uh, kind of projects popping up i believe that there's probably a more strong argument yeah Like all these kind of smaller projects that are popping up here in Montreal is also a phenomenon that's happening in yeah. Toronto and in New York yeah. City and like in every other kind of like major cities in, in Europe and North America and like anywhere else on the planet. So like to be able to kind of connect with that too, because especially now with the internet and the world that we live in, you know, like these kind of like physical boundaries doesn't really even exist. And especially with these smaller space, like we don't have a huge foot traffic you know so like the work really kind of exists through social media and the internet so like it's important for us because we're from montreal and like it's these kind of people that we feel like deserve this kind of this this visibility but at the same time i think it's also important to be able to open up a conversation with people that are working along the same directions in, yeah. in other cities as well yeah um of course of course that you always need to think about the how do you monetize these yeah. projects, right? I want to ask you, how do you guys think of this? How do you weigh the economy in these projects? Yeah, I mean, we have this luxury that we don't have to worry about that that much, you know. And it is really a luxury because that gives us the freedom to basically do whatever we want and we don't have to argue with someone who's like funding the project over our decision. So we're totally, completely free. And that's something that's quite unique with Montreal. Like they could never really happen in, in New York City or even in Toronto exactly. where the reality yeah. of the real estate especially is completely, now. Yeah. Especially now. Yeah. The space that we're renting is pretty cheap. So we don't have this kind of financial weight that's kind of hanging right. over us. So, um, but at the same time, we don't want to lose money out of it. And I think the idea of like selling work, it's not our number one priority. But it's something that, you know, for the artists, especially like working with younger artists, less established artists, to be able to kind of open up a conversation between the artists and the collector is something that we're interested in. 
but I, I can't really say that it's our main focus, but like we're totally open to that. And um, it's an important reality of being a practicing artist too, you know, like you can work within the the artist-run centers, uh, systems and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think there's something really beautiful and in, in someone like walking into a gallery and really connecting with a specific work and want it mm-hmm. to like live with that specific piece of artwork, yeah. like on an everyday basis. And, and if we can create this kind of link between like the collector and the artist, I think it's, it's something that's, I mean, it's an amazing job to be able to create these kind of connections. And, you know, hopefully it's a, it's a relationship that's going to develop over time. And and even if people are not like buying a work in the show, like they can follow the practice of this artist and kind of create this ongoing dialogue between like two human beings over their uh, visual interests. So I think it's an amazing opportunity for us to be kind of at the center. And so it's something that that obviously we're interested in. But we're not like a commercial gallery in in the sense that we don't rely on selling work and like pushing work to be able to function. So at the same time, I guess we have kind of the best of of both worlds. Like you said, it's, it's very luxurious. As a side project, Jérôme, Jean-François and Nicolas use their website soon.tw to post playlists of music they listen when making art. Most of the music in this episode, actually, was taken from some of those mixtapes. For the full list of individual songs and artists featured here, please visit our website, intothispodcast.com. Besides running the gallery space, Jérôme has continued to create. Combining materials and methods, his pieces exist in the edges between painting and photography. In terms of my own practice, I've been interested for a long time into the visual codes of abstraction. And I guess it obviously comes from like this first attraction that I had with the masters here in Quebec, Porto and Riopel and so on. So I've been kind of always kind of building with that and trying a way in photography to engage with this dialogue that especially here in Quebec was restricted mostly to painting. And... Um, Yes, and it was mostly directed through the use of the photographic materials and how they react when they're kind of left by themselves or uncontrolled by the actual production mechanism of, of photography. And um, I was in Italy at the beginning of last summer and I shot some some video images and uh, it's kind of evolving into a bigger project that's probably going to include an installation aspects with video and photography, painting, and a lot of uh, text as well. So I'm kind of, uh, yeah, just taking time to kind of put that into perspective and see what I want to do with that and see what I've done in the last few years and see how it's kind of evolving into like a larger practice that doesn't only include my current interest in, in photography and how it's kind of um merging into painting and these aspects that I was, I was really focusing on while I was in school. So yeah, it's just kind of a time to step back, read, and just kind of look at what I've done from a perspective and see where I want my practice to, to go. evolve to. Yeah. DJing is your day job, I guess, night yeah, job. Yeah, it's kind of like night yeah, my night job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this this year I'm just, I'm just DJing, which is amazing because it's a night job and it gives you like the full day to focus on, on the gallery project and to focus on my own practice. Yeah. 
And at the same time, it's nice because it's surrounded by other creative minds, you know, so it's, it kind of allows me to to kind of be creative. And I mean, like DJing is mm-hmm. it's, it's some sort of kind of curating at yeah. the same time. You know, you look at who's there and like you kind of always have to adapt and create connections. And that's, I guess, the f- most fun aspect of DJing for me is like playing two songs that people wouldn't really think yeah. go together. Yeah. Like you play like, a, I don't know, like a Cure song with like a art techno track and it kind of changes the mood. And I think that good creating in visual arts is always the same thing, kind of confronting ideas that at first glance Not don't evident. really have anything to do yeah. together. But then it kind of forces you to ask you like what exactly. is happening and then exactly. slowly kind of reveals itself. And it's more subtle than just, you know, like using broad subject to yeah. kind of like cover or like survey something to kind of create these this weird and unconventional dialogue between either songs or work or like For sure. anything else, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true that there is no definite way to plan how to make a living just creating artworks. Making it, quote unquote, in the arts seems to be a combination of a lot of moving pieces basically impossible to predict. According to what I've heard from people in the field, the factors that can and should be covered from the artist's side are, number one, loads and loads of hard work. You know the thing that they say, 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration. Number two, apply for shows or residencies in a smart way. That means something like not only applying to the most renowned galleries, artist-run centers or other places. Give your application some diversity in that sense. And the last one, number three, get out there and talk to people. Let them know you are here to stay. So about that last point, I wanted to know what Jerome thinks about the importance of having a strong social presence in the career of an artist. I mean, if you look back at art history, you know, it's kind of like the names that keeps coming up, it's the people that were at, at the center of it, you know, and they were kind of gravitating around other artists and creators and collectors, you know, so it's kind of... Cannot it's, get away from it. You cannot yeah, yeah. get away from it, which is kind of a sad reality. And if there's one thing we want to avoid with the gallery project is to present the work of our immediate group of friends, you know, and people that, like, obviously we would show because... You know, we have some sort of like friendly or aesthetic connections with and try to make an extra mile and kind of look for these people that are right, like trying to work from yeah. the margin or have left Montreal or like in, in another city, but they're not in the spotlight right now, you know, because and that's the thing with the art world and, and the market, you know, the more visibility you have and like people have a really kind of... Uh, limited memory, yeah. you know, like short term memory in terms of, of, of thinking about artists. And obviously, if there's someone that's been like in two or three shows in the last few years, when you're thinking about doing a group show on one subject is or her name would it come out, out immediately yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. you know, like you've seen the work. And but if that one person that could be a really good fit, but hasn't shown in the last eight years, you know, it's kind of you have to dig really hard to kind of yeah. find these people. And I think that yeah, if this one thing that kind of is very important for us is to kind of yeah move away from the idea of like the trend and and more and more we kind of see that especially through Instagram and stuff like that it feels like you can see 
the art history kind of like drawing itself in, in real life, you know, because, you know, when you look at the past movement before um, the presence of the Internet, you know, you kind of had to like step back a little bit to kind of notice. And it took like a few years for kind of a, a movement or an aesthetic or something to kind of emerge as the genre that's important for like a decade, you know, but now it's like, okay, process based abstraction, it's all there is for like two years. And now it's kind of this funky, sloppy figuration that's up and it's going to be something else next year, you know, and then there's a lot of galleries and there's a lot of collectors that are kind of following that and they're trying to kind of keep up with that. And that's something that we absolutely want to avoid for the sake of, of creating a program that on the long term, when you yeah. kind of look at like doesn't fit into this kind of like progression of trends and what's being shown everywhere at the of same course. time on the planet. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I got into this stuff because I started to think a lot about one, how people get into anything, yeah. how people decide to do something with their lives. Yeah. And then two, when you are doing something, how do you measure yourself within your realm? Yeah. And one of the things that I always like to ask my guests is what is that one thing that gives you the feeling of validation? It's a really good question, especially in the art world. Like yeah. like I was saying just before, you know, it's such a subjective world where it's all about knowing the right people and being at the right place at the right time. So like to validate success could be kind of complicated and like it's not something that's very immediate you know if you get a grant for something or you get into a show like it, it is some sort of validation from from your peers and it's important but and it's usually a reward from working hard on a project and and you feel like you deserve um, this opportunity but i feel that for me this kind of validation is kind of silent you know it's it might be something that you'll never really know like I was saying the story with Riopel and like this kind uh -huh. of first introduction I had with with these people, you know, this this kind of very intense um, emotions that I felt towards these objects that were hanging on the wall. Like I feel that that's kind of realized at that time. I was like, okay, if I can one day recreate this kind of energy or connection with something that I've done with someone else, you know, I guess that would be like the greatest form of validation. But that's something that we'll probably never know because that's something that can't really be expressed through words, you know. Mm -hmm. And I guess you can just hope for that to kind of ever happen with someone. And then you know that you've done something right. You know, it's like it's like writing a piece of music and you know, it's beautiful because, you know, like people are going to relate to it in their own kind of sense within their own history and what they're kind of dealing with in the present moment, you know, even though it could be completely detached from what you were feeling or what you wanted to be uh, translated, you know, but people kind of like project their own emotions and their own feelings onto uh, this object or this, this piece of art that you've made. And I think that in a way, this kind of transfer of feeling and knowledge and an effort that you've made into a piece, you know, is probably the greatest form of validation far beyond than like being in a group show or having a social show. Because that's just kind of, 
for some egocentric reason, you know, like yeah. it feels good and like it feels like, you know, you have the spotlight yeah. on, on you. And like, I guess that's in a way what everybody's kind of looking for. But I think that sometimes it's important to look for like deep, deeper meanings from what you've spent so much time in the studio kind of nurturing, you know, in terms of, of making and thinking about. You know. That is pretty cool. Because we all know that an immediate way to feel you know, validated and all that is like it's popularity, one yeah. of them, but also money, yeah, right? And it's super nice to hear that to be transcendental, yeah. it's, it's also something that, you yeah. know, you guys are striving for, which is... Yeah, this money, it's completely ephemeral. Okay, you get a, a big fat check and it's amazing because you go to eat at a restaurant and like you drink expensive wine and like it feels kind of good. But at the same time, is there, like it's, it's so ephemeral, you know, like you're going to spend that money and then you're going to get back to that kind of ground zero where like, you, you know, you're still kind of alone in the studio and... I mean, I guess I'm a romantic in that sense, but like I, f I feel that, that this is something that goes far beyond this kind of like empty recognition. And like I was saying, you know, it's kind of ephemeral, you know, like you, you can have a really good year or like a good five years where like you're in every show and you're completely visible. And then especially now, like that things are going like so fast in terms of, of trends and and what's hot in the market right now. You know, you can, you know, fall into oblivion like pretty fast. Jamais le temps, pas le temps, le temps de rien. Mais voici l'hiver qui vient, pas le temps, pas le temps, jamais le temps de faire un enfant. Pas le temps, jamais le temps. As far as I know and as far as I'm aware, everybody's really excited about the work that you guys are doing. Yeah. I just want to say congrats because oh, it's you. like pretty inspiring for people to just go up there and then make your own thing, you know? Yeah, and I, and I mean, if this project can kind of motivate people to, to do projects like that and kind of take this initiative and always say to the students, you know, like it's really hard when you get out of school, you're going to apply for shows and, you know, you're going to be rejected. It's very hard. And then you, you don't really see any issue or any, any places for your work to kind of fit in. But there's no reason why you don't just create it, you know, like, I mean, there's no there's no rule. You can do whatever you want. School is a very important place to, to meet friends and meet people that you get along with personally and professionally and aesthetically and then just do something it could just be open for one night or whatever like it doesn't really matter especially since we've discussed that it can exist under like other platforms than actual like physical space itself so just yeah i'm kind of hoping that that more people are gonna like take the horn by the bulls <laughs> take the bull by the, by the horns and just kind of like just do it like the kind of diy and like i mean we're not inventing anything like right here it's just that like i feel like right now in montreal there's this kind of moment where for some reason it all kind of emerged like quite yeah. almost simultaneously without even kind of like Planning all kind of knowing each yeah. other but like yeah. not really kind of like discussing that it just kind of happened and i think it's it's a very exciting moment for everyone but um yeah and i think it's 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 about the community and it's it's about the kind of helping each other and kind of using each other to to put the work forward you know and yeah. it's all about the artists and and the work I want to say thank you very much for this well, opportunity. Thanks to it you. It was pretty cool, yeah. as I was expecting. And uh, I want to wish you guys the best of success with this project. And Thank you. Yeah, we don't, we don't know what the future is holding, but for now we're kind for of sure. yeah, programming shows for the rest of 2017. And yeah. 
hopefully. I mean, we have a great location and we have oh, I mean, sure. a great space. And, and for now, it's 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 working out fine, you know, and we're really excited about the, the projects that we're working on for the next few years. So, yeah. So the address is 305? 305 Belshaz. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's in Little Italy, yeah. not too far from Rosemont and... Uh, and Bobia Metro. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, the website is soon.tw. Yeah. And yeah. if somebody wants to visit in extra hours that are not vernissage hours. Yeah. You can just write us uh, an email, uh, info at soon.tw. Okay. And uh, otherwise, we're open on Saturdays between noon and five o'clock. And uh, yeah, if you can just check out the website, you know, all the information is there to, uh, to reach us and to see uh, documentation of the shows. For sure. Oh, cool. Congrats again. Oh, thank you. And thanks. Thank you. Cool. That was my conversation with Jérôme Nadeau. Hopefully, this will leave you a little bit inspired to create your own opportunities, whether you are in the arts or not. This episode was produced and edited by me, Marx Ruiz Wilson. Sound design was done by Milton Matthew. The visual designer is Victor Garibay. To find more information about the music credits, please visit our website, intothispodcast.com. Episode number seven, the lucky one, if you're superstitious, comes out in three weeks. I'll be having a conversation with curator Loretta Lamargese. When we spoke, she was working at the Vision Gallery in Montreal, and since then, she moved to New York City to work at Arsenal Gallery. Subscribe to Into This Podcast to avoid missing it. Thanks for listening, and talk to you soon. Oh, Jerome has the last words. Let yesterday arrange itself around you in flat semantic images, deeply embedded in that inchoate matter from which our judgments are formed. It is inseparable from all that is best and worst. It subverts dogma by activating the realm of desire and deception. Fading through new eyes, fading with the horizon it navigates, a swift glance across endlessness. That's it.